And you're back with Encounter with God here on Faith FM as we get into our Bible study of the day. 20 million movement, 20 million people around the world all studying the same passage of the Bible together. But before we do, the quiz still has not been answered. It's true. It's a pretty hard one. Well, I mean, it's not as a person. Okay, so this was somebody who refused to drink people's blood. Yeah, and he's not in heaven. He was somebody who is, the Bible says, is not in heaven. Yeah. Uh, As a Bible character, he's super famous, but these clues are pretty obscure. So let me give you another one of these obscure quizzes. I mean, clues. So who am I? Clue number three. I was afraid of God because he killed Uzzah for touching the ark of God. Okay, so this person was also afraid of God. Who could it be? If Give you us know a call. the answer, then you know what our number is, 1-800-324-843. How did I sudden? It's Friday. <laughs> subtle, 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 sudden, bro- I can't even talk brain now Brain freeze. Sudden break in the brain. Yep. Uh, yes, give us a call. Of course, today's prize is Love's Lies, God's Replies by Dustin Hall. Really great book. There you go. All right. Mon. Do we need to remind our listeners that we're going to Africa, Lyle? No, we don't. Okay. Okay. They already know. Okay. We probably should remind our listeners to listen online, particularly this morning as we are having technical difficulties and our online listeners have had a better run of luck than our... They have rather. Yes. They've gotten off scot-free. Well, not entirely, but... Oh, they haven't gotten off scot-free? Uh, welcome back to Wyong, by the way. Yes. Welcome back to uh, Sugarloaf mm-hmm. listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad to have you back on air again. And, uh, of course, delayed broadcasting and to get the um, the benefits out of this one this time. But anyway, yes, there you go. I think that must be, must be a lot of our, our, our Grain Nomad listeners who are listening on their phones. Yeah. G'day to our Grain Nomad listeners. Yes, yes, yes absolutely. to them. All right. So where are we going today? We're going to restoration and unity. We have been talking about unity all for the last uh, couple of months. We're going to talk about it for a couple more weeks yet. This time we're going to, or this week we've been talking about disunity and how to solve it. So Matthew chapter 18 is a passage of the Bible that is often what happened this morning. No, I was just trying to guess the book and I got it wrong again. Oh, where, where did you go this time? Uh, First Corinthians. <laughs> you should have known that was wrong, Mon. That was where you went yesterday. I know, but I, oh, never mind. Just have this As usually a pretty good guess. Corinthians. No, I think yesterday I was in, that's right, yeah, I was too. Never mind, never mind. Let's carry on. Matthew? It's Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. A passage of the Bible that is often quoted and very rarely ever carried out. But something that if it was put into practice on a regular basis would typically bring about a lot of unity in our church. Okay, so when something goes wrong in the church and somebody does the wrong thing, Mm -hmm. What is the first step? Off with their head. What? <laughs> this is Mon. <laughs> German the, German, the German is coming at him, Mon. Cut off, d- cut off their head. Does it? I mean, do you have to take in consideration what they've actually done? And, and, and this is where it usually starts, doesn't it? Yeah. So you'll have a discussion with somebody as to whether it warrants action or not. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And that's where the problem starts. We have a discussion with someone. Okay, okay. But is it, okay, have you ever had, have you ever been in a church where someone or some group within the church has started to do something that is inappropriate and you haven't had a discussion about it? I personally haven't. I've never seen it happen. Yeah, no. Whenever something goes wrong, and I'll put up my hand as being as guilty as the next person when something goes wrong in the first church, the first thing that you do is talk to somebody about it rather than talking to the person. 
Yeah, it's true, isn't it? And that is so damaging and brings about so much heartache and so much disunity and so much just just plain straight out damage to people and to the and, and, and to the church. And it just perpetuates the problem, it doesn't actually yeah. solve anything. Uh-huh. And it yeah. polarizes people, pushes them into, it into, creates into more corners. Problem, really. You've got the yeah. the people on this side, you've got the people on that side. Um, and it just gets, you know, it just spirals out of control. Okay, so let's go to Matthew 18. And Mon, can you read for us verse 15 to 17, please? And what we're going to do is we're going to see, ask ourselves this, what lessons can we draw out of this circumstance? So Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. That's the one. If any, if sorry, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Mm-hmm. Where does Jesus, when, when somebody does the wrong thing, where does Jesus say that we should start? Should we have a discussion about it to find out whether it's bad enough or not? No. So where should we start? By being should private. We, should, should, should we call our best friend and say, don't tell anyone, <laughs> but. No, no, none of that. None of that. Someone told me. <laughs> And we think and they told kosher. they told me not to tell anyone. Uh-huh. But I know I can trust you. Yeah. Because you won't tell anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how this works, right? Yep, absolutely. And then that person knows someone they can trust who won't tell anyone. And then that person knows someone who they can trust that won't tell anyone. Before you know it, twenty people who could have been trusted and not to tell anyone know. Don't ever, ever trust a gossip. Oh yeah. If somebody is talking about somebody else to you, it means they're talking about you yes. yep. to somebody else. Look, I have a very close friend who is a terrible gossip and I can't tell her anything. Yeah. 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 Well, I think we've probably all got close friends like that. Yeah. And it's yeah. part of the world in which we live mm-hmm. and we all have our human weaknesses. Um, it's part of our humanity. And for those of us who do gossip, then we need to work on that. And for those who don't, we need to encourage others not to. Do you remember we um we did question of the day several months ago and it was um you know how you deal with gossip? Do you remember do you remember the the advice that we gave? It was so good. It was how to stop gossip with one sentence because this is the thing about gossip, right? When someone's gossiping to you, you don't want to say to them stop gossiping or being a gossip because you know it's going to create a bit of an awkward. Yeah, and it's often it's your best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like how do you say it without creating a confrontational sort of situation? And um, the best advice it was such a good advice. It, um. You can stop gossiping at its tracks by asking one question. And that question is, why are you telling me this? Because the person has to stop and think about why it is they're telling you this. And it's not essential information. It's not essential knowledge. It's not critical for anyone to know it. They have to come to the realization they're just gossiping. So they get, them, they get there by themselves. Yeah, that would be pretty confronting, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a really, really good thing to do. Why, 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 why are you telling me? If only we had more of that. Taking place within Christian churches, we would have so much less gossip. You know, because it takes two to gossip. It does. Yeah, it does. And gossip is something that you know I think God recognizes. He God recognizes it as a bad thing, mm. but you know He uses our, our our humanity and our human weaknesses at times to be able to reach out to us. And uh, you've got some stories in the Bible, like for instance uh, Gomer and Hosea, where God created a scandal so that people would learn about Him. Using the uh, Adventist grapevine or the back then the, 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 the Israelite Christian, grapevine, the Christian, the Christian yeah. grapevine, very mm-hmm. very efficient, far more efficient than uh, Twitter or Facebook yes, or any other communication mm-hmm. device, WhatsApp or Messenger or um, whatever your preferred method of communicating is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And so when we come to this particular point right here, okay, so let's somebody say that somebody does something wrong in the church. You recognize they've done something wrong and you go and talk to them about it and you solve it at that level, right? Yeah. So solved problem is solved at that level. It's not going any further than where it is right now. The question that then comes up is, okay, how many people, how, how big of an issue has this become? Not very big at all. It's a minute issue, isn't it? It should just be three people, the offender, the offendee, and God. Yeah. Yeah. And you keep it between those. And basically what God is recommending here is a form of quarantine. Mm-hmm. You know, take the problem, quarantine it, isolate it, deal with it, and nobody need know about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, okay, so keep reading. Where, where, where were we up to? I think we just read verse 15, so let me keep reading. Uh, yep. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Okay, so if you go to that person one-on-one, it's not successful, then what you do is you gather the world church together and the media and uh, the newspaper and the TV and everybody else and uh, and go and see them, right? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Not even the least, Lyle. <laughs> You're going to get that past me. <laughs> Just the confident way you said, mm-hmm. I was thinking, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> I've got it right here. No. Okay, so you don't do that, do you? No. And, and so often this is what we do do. Mm-hmm. We spread it far and wide and it's like, okay, we have to alert everybody to what's going on here so that uh, nobody falls into the trap mm-hmm. of, you know, whatever it is that uh, this particular problem might be and we are, we are immunizing the church against it by telling them all about it. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so uh, yeah, push the right buttons there so Sorry. I can actually hear myself. Well, no, so that you can hear me. I don't need to hear myself. <laughs> <coughs> but when I can hear myself, I know that you can hear me. So that's um, that's what's in, it's important good. there. Yeah, good enough. Okay, so what you've got here, once again, is the process of quarantine. God is, is, is saying, look, keep this amongst as few people as possible. So he says, he says start one-on-one. If that solves the problem, leave it there. It doesn't need to go any further. If that doesn't solve the problem, how many do you take? One or two. 20, 30, 40? No, no. Just one or two other people. Just one or two other Mm -hmm. people. Uh, So two at the most. At the the very most, there's three of you. Mm -hmm. That's right. And and often this is one of those kind of situations where, you know, you do find that you need a witness. Um, And and, and a witness can become a very important uh, situation when you're dealing with questions like this because it enables you to... Um, you know, have somebody else who can independently independently verify what took place. And depending on how sensitive it is, depends on whether you need to take one person or you need to take two. Yeah. Um, if it's if it's not very sensitive, it's not a huge issue. Then take um, take take one person. But if uh, if you feel that accusations are going to be made, and those accusations are likely to be false, then if you've got two witnesses. Um, you know, then that'll be that ceases to be so much of a he said, she said. You've actually got, you know, three of you saying the same thing, and then the other person denying it, and it's going to go the way of the three rather than the way of the one. Mm-hmm. And so, this is a very wise, 
very wise um, advice that Jesus is giving. Of course, this is advice that was given, um, you know, long before paper and writing was readily available. Paper and writing in those days was incredibly expensive, prohibitively expensive. It was long before you know emails and those kind of things were um, available, readily available. Well, even dreamed of, mm-hmm. of course. And so, what I often find today is that when there's a particular issue, I like to actually shoot off an email. Yep, get it in writing. Uh, that way, the discussion can never, you know, if 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 anything does need to go further than that, you know, you're not in a position where you can say, "Well, he said this and she said that." And uh, the other person can, you know, stand up and, and say, well, you know, Lyle said that, 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 that in the conversation we had on the phone the other day or when he stopped by to visit. It's like, no, that's not actually what took place. He's a, uh, he's a transcript. Uh, he's a transcript. He's a yeah. paper trial. This mm-hmm. is the discussion we're having. Uh, read for yourself. And what I've found is that that often, um, by keeping it to a written format, can often, you know, it keeps it between the two of you. It keeps it uh, much more civilized. Mm-hmm. Because both of you know that you're placing stuff on record if that record is ever needed. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the other things that I've done in the past in a sensitive uh, meeting, a sensitive situation where I fear that emotions are going to get out of control is just simply set a video camera in the corner. Oh, wow. Yep. Yep. And it's amazing how it changes the spirit of the room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people know that they're going on record, suddenly they become adults that's incredible isn't it mm-hmm. yeah like they realize there's an accountability here that's right they can't just have a tantrum and get away with it and it's not just good for the other person it's good for yourself as well yeah it's a, it's a good reminder that um that you know you need to behave if only we if only we kept in mind that it's you know same way that you can set a video camera in the corner is the way that you know god and the angels are watching and recording in the heavenly books you know and we seem to forget that aspect of it don't we yeah we do yeah, yeah. we do it's and not that, until that we whole have a record is there and it's never mm-hmm. going away, you know, mm-hmm. until God blots out those, uh, those, those books. And That's it. We are doing this in front of the universe and the angels. Yep. It's much worse than a video camera, really, and yet we seem to behave only when there's a camera recording us and we know another human's going to see this potentially, mm. yeah. Mm. It's, it's, it's astounding to think how much different the landscape of our church would be if we all followed this advice here in Matthew. It is. Mm. It is because mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think when have I ever seen this, you know, done take right. Place, done yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, we, I'm sure the two of us could sit here and tell countless stories of how this has gone wrong. Oh, yeah. Uh, just, you know, yeah, major, major stories. And, and anyone listening could probably tell crazy stories about this kind of thing as well. So, yeah, it's, I think that church would be a vastly different place mm-hmm. if, um, if we all had treated each other with the love and respect as is chronicled here in the book of Matthew. So, yeah. The other thing that um, is significant about this process that Jesus is outlining here is that it is a process of proactive action. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter of sit back and, you know, we hope that this sorts itself out. No, not at all. It is a process of proactive action. It is a process of, um, you know, getting in there and actually... Um, um, Doing something about it, addressing the issue. Which is good. It needs not sweeping to be under the carpet. That's right. Not putting a band aid on the ulcer. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so let's continue reading. So let's. So this is the next part. Is if that hasn't worked either, it takes up another level. So uh, if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then, if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. That's um. That's, that's pretty the, strong language. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that Jesus doesn't say as a tax collector. As corrupt tax collector. As a corrupt tax collector. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and you know there was obviously you know they lived under the Roman Empire. They didn't like paying taxes any more than you and I like paying paying taxes. Mm-hmm. But. Jesus is like, he's not condemning people for being a tax collector. He is condemning corruption. That's right. And, uh, you know, and, and there's probably nothing nothing more despised than corruption. And in the area of disrupt, corruption, nothing more despised than a corrupt tax collector. I wonder how the world they were treated because he says treat them like a corrupt tax collector. How were they treated back then? They must have, I don't know. They get egged or something? <clears throat> no, they weren't egged, but they were um, excluded from society. Oh, I see, I see. And so basically what Jesus is saying is very, very simple. Exclude them from your church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so this is, you know, different different uh, churches will use different words to describe it. We might call it being disfellowshipped. Um, Excommunicated, is that another word? The right foot of um, fellowship. The right foot. <laughs> Uh Um, excommunication um yeah these are these are the kind of words that are used to describe what takes place here where it's like okay this person does not follow the beliefs and practices of you know this particular faith um they are opposed to it um they have been approached one-on-one they've been approached one-on-two they have been approached by the whole church community Mm -hmm. and they are just like no you know, and, and and then it's like, well, you know, if you're going to have that particular stand, then that's not consistent with the beliefs and practices of this particular faith community. So, um, you need to find one that is either um, that, that 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 fulfills your needs, or start one of your own. But you can't do that within this faith community. It's remarkable how people will get upset when that happens, and you sort of think, well, you know, really, what what, what are you expecting? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you're expecting the entire. Um, faith community to bow to you and to your expectations, you know, um, it's it, it's it's kind of strange and interesting sometimes. And you sort of wonder how um, some people's minds work and how they and how they think. But nevertheless, uh, this is what the Bible outlines the process that we should take. And so there is a place for excommunication. There is a place for church discipline. There is a place for a church trial. What the Bible does not give us here is an opening for taking this to the civil courts. Ah, that's true. Yeah. None of this um, like deal with swing it, each other. Deal with each other. Okay. And so, and so once again, you've got a quarantine process that is taking place. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus is saying, limit the damage as much as possible. Yeah. Put a fence around this damage. Keep it in-house. Mm-hmm. Keep it between two people. If that doesn't work, keep it between three people or four at the most. If that doesn't work, keep it within the boundaries of the church because, you know, when you get two church members who start fighting each other through the court system, you can only imagine just how destructive that is to the witness of that church in the community. Oh, absolutely. You know, you've got, yeah. a, you've got a whole situation where there's going to be a generation before anyone in that community ever takes any notice of anything that that church ever says again. Yeah, it's a bit like when you go to your friend's house as a kid and their parents are arguing and you stand in the corner all awkward. Can you imagine going to a church where they're all arguing amongst each other, like you stand in the corner and be all awkward, aren't you? You're not going to want to go to that church anymore. Indeed. 
All right, so let's go over to the book of Colossians. Colossians. Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to read from. So if you are listening from a place where you can access the Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to come back after this song break. Uh, If you are on the road, then maybe this would not be a wise thing for you to do. And if you're in a workshop, maybe not so smart either. But right now we'll be listening to Torin Wells. Listening to Doran Wells with Known here on Faith FM. Mon, do we have any clues left for our quiz? Yeah, we sure do. Okay, so this was somebody. Who am I? Somebody who did what not not who did not want to drink <coughs> other people's blood. 
somebody who is not in heaven, somebody who was afraid of God after Uzzah touched the ark and was struck dead. What else have we got? And clue number four. Somebody who was mentioned in the news story earlier on today. He was, he was. But listen, get this. Saul attempted to pin me to the wall twice by hurling a spear at me. So getting a bit easier. We all know that story. This particular person was playing his harp to ease Saul's spirit. And that spirit. may have been mentioned in the news story mm-hmm. earlier in the show. Indeed. If you know who that is, give us a call right now. Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. You can win a prize today. It's a copy of Love's Lies, God's Replies by Dustin Hall. I've actually put a picture of our prize up on all our social medias. So if you want to check out what the prize is and have a read of the back cover, jump on our Facebook, Twitter, or Insta, and you can have a look at that. Yes, and before we get back into the subject, I should mention that we need to continue praying for religious liberty here in Australia. Oh, absolutely. Um, And as you would have heard from uh, the interview with Mark Sneddon this morning, this is something that is front and centre to to what is happening in in Parliament House right now um, and will be taking place in the new year, either when Parliament comes back or after the election. Uh, We have the very real possibility of having our religious liberty uh, completely stripped away from our schools and churches and um, it being able to affect you know, what we are preaching, what we are teaching um, from the pulpit in Bible studies, even in a one-on-one Bible study. Mm. Uh, you know, so it's very, very serious times facing Australia right now with a very, very militant anti-God movement and yeah. anti-religion Movement that is a very powerful driving force. So please keep that in prayers as we uh, as we move forward, and we're looking for ways we will um, be putting up some social media links today uh, as to you know where you can actually do something and become active in this area. We need to become active. This is something that we need to uh, we need to fight for on the political level. And you know, typically I stay out of politics, but when it comes to issues of religious liberty, roll up the sleeves. Absolutely. Roll up the sleeves and get busy. Okay, so where were we up Colossians to? Colossians 3. Colossians 3. Mon, why don't you read for us? Starting in verse 12. Verse 12 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Okay, stop right there for a moment. When you think about... The challenges that our churches face on occasions, when you think about you know, people who are maybe censored or disciplined or tossed out of church or creating divisions in church, just, 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 just think about the last time that you were in a church where a very, very broken situation, you know, a very, very broken church, very, very broken individuals within that church were creating all kinds of strife and problems and difficulties and challenges, etc., um, let's, let's think about Just read those words again Mon, And tell me whether they fit that person Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy Kindness, humility, gentleness and patience Okay, so if you're going into a situation Where there is great conflict Between you and other church members Mm. And both sides of that conflict clothe themselves with tenderness, with mercy, with love, with all those other words that you just read them on. If that actually happened, 
what would that conflict look like? Oh, it wouldn't look like a conflict, that's for sure. You know, you think about uh, you think about uh, any kind of conflict, and this is pretty much the opposite of it, isn't it's it? It's true. It's true. This would be more like a more like a an affirming sort of ceremony where, like, you know, we affirm each other and move past, and oh, it would be su- such a different atmosphere. It's a pity that we don't do, we don't actually um, put these verses into practice. Keep reading for us, there, Mon. I love this next verse. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. As somebody once said, "Remember the hole that you came out of." Yeah, that's right. It's so true. It's you know? So true. <laughs> we all came out of a hole somewhere along the line. And God brought us up out of that hole of a life of sin and corruption and wickedness and evil. And God was able to do amazing things with us and for us. And when we look at others, we should remember where we have come from. Mm -hmm. And we should remember how God has worked in our life. And we should also consider what kind of a hole we are still in, whether there is a log in our eye when we go and try and take the speck out of somebody else's eye. It's true. It's true. Can I read the rest of this? Because it's so beautiful. Sure. Uh, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. That is fantastic. What is Isn't it that, that nice? particularly jumps out at you from that passage, Mon? Oh, it's just, it's just, it just sounds like such a lovely way to, you know, uh, deal with conflict, to deal with issues in the church, you know, bind yourselves in love, um, you know, be together in perfect harmony, uh, let the peace of God rule in your heart and, you know, live in peace and be thankful. Like, it sounds great. Yes. I don't know why people so have such combined, beef with the Bible when this is a message it preaches. I know, Absolutely. <laughs> It's like, seriously? This is what everybody wants right now. Exactly. Um, you know, when you read Colossians chapter 3 and you combine that with Matthew chapter 18. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and this is something that's important to remember as we, as we roll up our sleeves to go to battle on the issue of religious liberty. Is this the attitude that we are taking? Mm. You know, are we lovable, loving and lovable Christians? Because if we are loving and lovable Christians, the world will want us. That's right. But at the moment, the world hates us and the world wants to get rid of us. Why is that? Maybe because we are not lovable and lovable Christians. Maybe just because it's the end of the times and the devil's getting angry. Maybe a combination of both of those things. But the important thing is to go into this battle and to fight this battle in the spirit of the verses that are being presented right here. You know, with tenderness, with mercy with remembering where we came from, remembering what Jesus has done for us. And it always sounds oxymoronic, going into battle with peace in your heart. But that should be your goal, yeah. to create peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Not to assert yourself as a person who was right and everyone else was wrong and none of that kind of attitude, but Just with love. Trying to figure out whether oxymoronic is actually a word. It is since I created it a few years ago. Thank you. Okay, yeah. no problem. It's Thanks. in the dictionary now. Thank you. The Dictionary of Mon. <laughs> Yeah, fluent mind can ease. <laughs> <laughs> Did you finish that? You finished that down to uh, verse 17 there? I didn't. Last two verses. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with and with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hums and hums, hymns <laughs> and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you say, uh, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. 
I think we can sing hums, can't we? Yeah. I just know Shell's listening to that laugh. <laughs> sing some hums. <laughs> I sing hums. You know? Yeah. <laughs> we should sing some more hums. <laughs> okay, but yeah, you, you, when you think about it, every time we go into a Matthew 18 situation, this is the passage we need to take with us. It's true. These are the verses we need to carry with us, and this is what we need to continually be reminding ourselves of. And I think, you know, next time I'm, well, I've actually never been in a church trial, but let's say that... Uh, Anytime we're experiencing trial, disunity. Yeah, we need, to, we need to come back to this verse, and everybody needs to sit down and remind themselves of exactly what this passage is talking about. So your job for today, your, your task for today is to memorize Colossians 3, 12 through 17, and then put it in practice. Live it out in your life. This is Anders Svensson with Walk With You.
Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
Welcome back, guys. That was Jeremy Camp with Give Me Jesus here on Faith FM. And we have come to question of the day. Yes, but one last quick clue for our quiz. Last one. Who am I? I wrote the 23rd Psalm. Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. We know you know who that is. So give us a call, uh, 1-800-324-843, and you can win the prize, Love's Lies, God's Replies. Lyle, yes. question of the day. You're going to love this one. It's all about a little bit of history. Oh, okay. What, what happened in 1844? Absolutely nothing. What? On earth. <laughs> Please explain. Okay, because 1844 was not about what was taking place on earth, but rather what was taking place in heaven. Which confused some people. You did confuse mm. some people because they were looking forward to something taking place on Earth and when nothing happened on Earth, they were like, what's going on? So we could, shouldn't say that nothing happened on Earth. There was actually you know, a lot of people who were very interested in that particular date and were doing a lot of preaching about it. However, 1844 is a, um, is a date that you get from uh, the time prophecy of Daniel chapter 8. Daniel 8, verse 13 and 14, particularly verse 14, where the Bible says, Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Now, of course, chapter 8 is continued in chapter 9. And in chapter 9, the Bible gives you in the clearest possible language the starting date for the time prophecy. It says, you know, from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem. That's the clearest yes, that's you're from. From unto, unto 2,300 days, uh, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. So you've got your starting date. We know exactly when this took place. And the reason that we know when this took place was because uh, you know, the, we, we have the whole Persian history of that particular era. We know the exact date, you know, 457 BC was when this, uh, this, this event took place. And so then it is simply a matter of calculating 2,300 days then into the future. And it will bring you to the date 1844, provided they use the day for a year principle. Now, the day for a year principle is made abundantly clear in Daniel chapter 9. You cannot read Daniel chapter 9 without applying the day for a year principle. And, of course, this is a principle that is found from one end of the Bible to the other. There are a multitude of verses that uh, support the concept and point out that God uses a day to symbolize a year in Bible prophecy. So when Bible prophecy says under 2,300 days, it is saying under 2,300 years. Okay, so if you go from 457 BC and you calculate that into the future, it will bring you to the year 1844. Now you ask what happened in 1844? This is what happened in 1844. The Bible says, Under 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Okay, so what sanctuary is that? Clearly there is no temple here on this earth. In 1844, there was no temple here on this earth. So which one could it be? There have been a number of temples on this earth already. The first one was the one built by Moses. The second one by Zerubbabel. The third one... Uh, sorry, the second one by Solomon, the third one by Zerubbabel, and the fourth one by Herod. This is the great original that is in heaven that the Bible is talking about. You ask, what is the cleansing of the sanctuary? The cleansing of the sanctuary is the work of judgment. It is a dividing that takes place between people whose sins are forgiven and whose sins are not forgiven. This is a work that must take place before Jesus comes back because Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly and my reward is 
with me to give every man according as his work shall be. And so the decision has already been made when Jesus comes back as to what rewards various people get. Therefore, judgment has already happened. So this is a judgment that takes place before Jesus comes back. It begins in 1844. It ends just before the return of Christ. Okay. So there's some basic uh, principles in relationship to what took place in 1844. That was the start of that particular event. And, uh, um, you know, if we look at it in more detail, in fact, if you'd like to know more detail, then give us a uh, give us a call here. I'll send you a copy of my Bible study on this particular subject. One of the most fascinating prophecies that there is found anywhere in Scripture. But people got confused and thought Jesus was coming back in ancient Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people are like, oh, the cleansing of the sanctuary, that must be the cleansing of the earth. No, it doesn't say the cleansing of the earth. It says the cleansing of the sanctuary. The Bible says that there is a sanctuary in heaven where Jesus ministers on our behalf. And, of course, the judgment is held there in open court in front of the entire universe as a way of eradicating sin uh, from the universe and convincing everyone that, you know, that God is just. So what did happen in 1844 on earth was people were getting ready for Christ's return, selling off their land, getting all together, get themselves together, and they basically had what's called the Great Disappointment, right? Yeah. So 1944 was a great disappointment and work in the heavenly sanctuary. Very similar to what took place in AD 31 where there was a great disappointment here on earth when Jesus died and the work in the first part of the heavenly sanctuary began. Mm, thank you so much, Lyle, for answering that question. If you have a Q of the D, give us a call here. Zero, uh, sorry, 1-800-324-843. You can text, of course, at 0491-064-669 or just send it through any of our social media platforms. We'll be happy to answer that live on air for you. Stay tuned. This is Huku Clements with Your Will Be Done.
I see Still I sing your will Your will be done Your will be done Your will be That was Hoku Clements, Your Will Be Done. You're listening to Faith FM. We've come to the end of our Shoot. breakfast show. Yes. We're and going to give the great, the great, great, great Controversy. We are going to give away a most magnificent copy of an amazing book. It's called The Great Controversy. I'm being, it's a huge copy. It's like yes, a, if you're interested in the subject of religious liberty, this is probably one of the greatest, uh, one of the best books ever written uh, dealing yes. with that subject along yes. with so many others. Yes, and it's got it's full page um, colour pictures in it as well. It's not, like a, it's not like a kid's book, um, but it has beautiful uh, photography and, and uh, illustrations and diagrams throughout it. Uh, this book, I, I particularly picked it because this morning we picked up the paper and we saw what was on the front cover and it just disgusts me what's what's happening there with the with the Catholic Church and the pedophilia. And just so you know, for people who are suffering as a result of that, this book will bring you a lot of hope. It's called The Great Controversy. It'll explain a little bit what's happening behind the scenes in yeah, the spiritual exactly. realm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the world is facing a crisis and, for those and we who all missed know it. it. Uh, Archbishop Philip Wilson was uh, got his, uh, his uh, sentence quashed on appeal. Yeah, which is disgraceful. But yeah, but this book is going to be one of the most hope-filled books you'll read. It's, it'll just set you on the right path. It's it's an absolute page-turner, difficult to put down. It's read by millions around the world. It's quite possibly one of the most important books you'll ever read. Give us a call now if you'd like to get a copy of this. The Great Controversy, um, 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. We have one copy to give away this morning. Be the first person through. 1-800-324-843. And don't forget, if you'd like to know more about the Bible, then you know how to get in contact with us. We love to connect people with the Bible here on Faith FM, and we have lots of different Bible subjects that we can cover. And, uh, you know, I should say that, um, yeah, we'd we just love to hear from you guys. So give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is our number, or text us on 0491-064-669. Who I speak with tongues of men and angels. Though I have the prophet's gift Though I hold the keys to hidden knowledge Though my faith can mountain shift Without love I am no better Without love it's all for naught Lord you spent your life in loving others What this means I would be taught Love is patient, knows no envy Never gloats when others sin Love is never glad to see injustice Always wants the truth to win There's no end to I shall fail without your grace 
Though there'll be an end to hidden knowledge Visions, raptures, prophecy Faith and hope and love shall last forever Or the greatest of the three Without love I am no better Without love it's awful not You gave your life in saving others What this means I would be You spent your life in loving others What this means I would be Thank you.